Join us as we dive into the wild world of government auctions and take you behind the scenes to uncover the cool and unique ways bidders from across America are utilizing the items they've won on Municipid. Like an ambulance repurposed into a work truck, to a city bus converted into an RV, and so much more. Welcome to the Municipid Podcast. excited to chat with you today about your business and the community events you do. Can you start us off by introducing yourself? Well, I'm Rob Kelsey. I live in Manhattan, New York, which is outside of Rochester. My spouse and I own a cat hotel. It's a feline-only boarding facility. And we've used Municipid quite a few times for projects that we needed to do around our office. One of the big ones that we got was a, a large glass partitioned wall that we used as kind of like a viewing area so that the cats can see out, humans can see in. And we made that into like a playroom space so that the, the cats can get on stretch their legs. And then we just recently got a order or a bid for a bunch of hand railing and spindles for an expansion project that we're working on right now. We've been doing our little home business for about seven years. And we've been playing with Municipid for probably three of those four years. Fantastic. So can you tell us more about your cat hotel, how you got started? I ended up getting salmonella really badly and I couldn't go back to work. My previous job is where I actually got the salmonella from. I worked for a sewage treatment plant and I had some exposure, like a lot of exposure to some sewage. And I ended up coming down with salmonella and CETA. And part of the recovery from that, I ended up having reactions to the medications that they gave me to, to fix what I was going through. Um, so now I got neuropathy problems. I still have digestive problems. So they obviously didn't want me back in the sewage treatment plant. And we had an outbuilding on our property already. And my spouse was in the veterinary field for quite some time. She wasn't a vet tech, but she worked in the office for quite some time. So we had a lot of experience. Plus we had a lot of our own cats too. Okay. I, we only have three. <laughs> Some people, when they say a lot means we have 20, but no, we only have three of our own. So because I was having a hard time moving around, we had to figure out a way for me to generate income. And we just thought, Hey, you know, maybe we can do a little home business, watching cats while friends and family are on vacation. And then we never really advertised, but Word got around and within a year of actually doing this legally, because a lot of people do pet sitting, but they do it under the table. We decided right from the get-go that we would do it all on the books. Within a year, we had so much business that oh, myself and my spouse were doing it as a full-time job. That's fantastic. And it's um, great to be able to just get out of bed and, you know, as long as no customers are coming, if you want to go out and work on the cats in your pajamas, you can <laughs> and you don't have to worry about traffic. It's great to just walk in the backyard and, and get to work. Wow. Sorry to hear about your sickness and 
all of that. That is awful. But it sounds like it turned around and had a silver lining with starting this catboarding business. That's quite something. And a lot of vets with COVID have stopped doing the boarding at their facilities because a lot of people stopped going on vacations. And the people that were going to do housework still needed to have a place to take their cat. And some brave people were still going out. So we still had cats throughout the painting diner. But it's it's definitely something now, not that I ever wished to be sick again, but I wish I had started the business a long time ago because, you know, you're your own boss, couple hours in the morning, couple hours at night. And like I said, you just traffic is just making sure you don't get attacked by the squirrels on their way out to the office. <laughs> Definitely know about the squirrels and chipmunks, <laughs> among other wildlife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's it's definitely nice not having, you know, an hour long commute in crazy traffic. Definitely makes a big difference. What was your first government auction win? Honestly, the, the first thing that we bought, though, was the projectors. We bought some like projectors to connect to your computer so you can display your screens on the wall. But honestly, the first purpose of that projector was to do the, the little Halloween um, programs. It was just something that I've always, I never had any kids. And I always loved those little peanut movies. And I figured, you know, I, I, I didn't have any kids, but I've always wanted one. So I figured, well, what better way to have some fun with some kids and making sure that those peanut movies never go away. And we had uh, our local fire department has a pavilion that's right on the Erie Canal. So we brought in a bunch of hay and a couple loads of leaves and made a big hay or a big leaf pit for the kids to jump in. Rock donuts and just because of the the concept of the movies, they had toast in the movie. So we brought a toaster down and if anyone wanted toast, you get a toast. <laughs> it was kind of fun. Just, just the night out on its own. And had you organized a Peanuts movie showing before? No, that was, that was the first time we did that. And we, we did it for like three years in a row, but then the village went through the dissolving. So then the pavilion was kind of like, you know, who do we go to to reserve it now? And then the pandemic came around. So maybe this coming year, I'll do it again. Uh, Even if I don't do it in my front yard, because I live right on a a main street village. And I actually have a a fairly sizable yard for living in the village. What advice would you give to others who are interested in organizing a peanut movie showing in their community? Well, for one thing, you definitely can't charge admission because it's there's rules about that. <laughs> I made sure that that was an okay thing to do through the town before I proposed it. I made little flyers and put them in restaurants. And uh, there's a daycare that's right behind my home. I gave it to them. The little flyers to, to let them know that there would be a free event down at the canal. Local restaurant people, they were enthused about it. And actually, my local country max store which is a like a garden outdoor store they stock hay and straw for farm animals and i went to them told them what the concept was what i wanted to do and they actually let me borrow the the hay raw straw for the event 
And then whatever bales were damaged, I had to pay for those. But going to my, a couple of local, little local vendors, I was able to get a bunch of fun stuff for free. I really didn't pay anything for advertising. The only thing that I did pay out of pocket was basically the donut slider. And I brought pizza for the adults too, in case they wanted something to smack on. But the, the kids had an absolute ball playing in the leaves. And I think a lot of the adults had more fun watching the kids than I even did. That sounds adorable. Why do you think it's so important for kids, you know, in the next generation to be seeing these Charlie Brown movies? Well, it may be a little mushy, but I think there's just, there's too much hate and violence in TV right now. Every primetime show seems to be about cops or investigations. And there's like, there's no more like Cosby show type stuff anymore and you know we're we're living in a world where you know one tweet gets blown out of proportion and we need to go back to actually picking up the phone and talking to people rather than playing on our phones texting to people because people are just losing touch with how to actually communicate and how to respect people and i think bringing the community together and showing how you can do stuff together and have a good time without, you know, saying, you know, that person doesn't look like me, so I don't like them or whatnot. Or the peanuts, they were all different color, boys and girls, and they all got along. Well, mostly good. <laughs> um, but I, I don't know. I, I just think that uh, really that the, the world really is kind of heading in a terrible place and those older shows you know, really kept some of the morals that I think the newer generation doesn't really have anymore. Yeah, I hear you. I don't mean to be a downer, but you know, that, that, that was always, you know, when, when Christmas came around, when Thanksgiving came around, as a child, I remember, and I'm 51 now, it's like, that was like the thing that I waited for to come on TV was those, you know, those animated program because they were you know they had a happy outcome you know you didn't have to sit through half an hour of hearing somebody that died or got shot or stabbed and it was something that the family all got together and sat down and actually paid attention and then you know you would depending on the season you would you know make or decorate cookies afterwards or decorate or go out and cut the tree down for christmas so it was just something that brings, brings back the childhood and then, you know, being an adult and not having a kid, that kind of, you know, I don't have that happy energy around my house anymore because I don't have a kid to be happy and interested about watching those shows. Yeah. Bringing back holiday traditions and the importance of family and spending quality time with family. So yeah, you've been doing, you know, unfortunately I got sick this Thanksgiving, but you know, when I try to get my parents are separated. So to get my mom and my dad and my brother and his two kids and their partners trying to get them all together now, it's just like pulling teeth. It's <laughs> this is what we're just asking for one day out of the year. I know you have the day <laughs> off, but 
I try to come around at least for five minutes, would you? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely much more challenging now with it's so easy to move across the country or move all over the place and then bringing everyone back together. It's a challenge and shouldn't be that challenging, but. You had mentioned that you went to projectors and one of the projectors you gave to a bookstore. Can you tell me more about this bookstore? Yeah. So like I said at the beginning, I live in a small community called Massive in New York. And just down the street from my house, there's a small used bookstore called Books, etc. And they do, they're very small. So when I say they do programs, it's like maybe 12 people can fit in the room. They do programs that are free, all tour, all different types of programs. It can be just like getting together to study the Bible, crafting programs. The, the owner of the bookstore, he used to be a, a teacher. I think he was more of a history teacher, but he did a lot of theater stuff too. So part of also why I did that Charlie Brown stuff was he would yearly make a little adult program down at the pavilion and we were you know long-term friends with them because we've been living in this community for 11 years and that was one of the first places that you know everyone's told to go down and say hi to the bookstore people because they know everybody in the community so we got introduced to them quite early and i liked the idea that he had a bunch of free programs so i was like hey you know why don't we some of the locals that always come down here for your programs. Why don't we just have a night where we just do nothing? Everybody brings like a little dish to pass, nothing super fancy. And we'll just sit down and watch a movie together. And they're usually comedy movies so that it's a little lighthearted. And then we'll do some holiday stuff too. But that just came about to say, you know, life's very busy. Let's just have a night together and just do nothing. So we'll buy a pizza from across the street. Everyone will bring like some cheese or some cookies. Some people will bring some wine and we'll share a bottle or two, maybe three. <laughs> okay. Sometimes it's four, <laughs> but it's, you know, it's just a, it's a nice little community to live in and they are, they're super nice people and all the people that show up there are super fun. And they're, they're all the way from teenagers all the way up to like 90 year old people that show up to that place to sit down and watch a movie with us. And you know, being a bookstore, being small, I don't have the projector physically mounted on the ceiling yet. So when I go down with the computer to hook up the projector, we got to get a big stack of books and stack it up on a chair so that it's projected at the right height so everyone can see. It's all fun. We all have a great time. Another good use for books. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Before we jump back in, I wanted to let you know you can find all sorts of items over at municipid.com. From police vehicles to heavy equipment, building materials to IT equipment, like Rob has been talking about, bidding is open to the public. What would you say has been like the biggest challenge in participating in these municipid government auctions? The only real challenge I find is there's items that I would love to bid on, but then 
and that's no fault of municipal by any means, but unfortunately, some of the items are posted that are quite far away. So transport to get the items sometimes makes it not worth bidding on the item. But again, that's no, that's no fault of municipal. That's just, you know, I'm looking for this particular item today. Either no one's got them up for bid or they're just too far away to make it worthwhile. Sure. Yeah. It's part of, you know, all the listings being online and being able to see everything. Yeah. Instead of just nearby. But not to say that I haven't driven 600 miles to pick something up. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> That's yeah, quite a so haul. The spindles were, I, I look over to the side because I actually have them, some of them mounted already. I live in New York right near Lake Ontario. And I had one those down near Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So that was, that was a little bit of a hike. And I, I had to do that in a one day trip. So I got up early, took off, loaded up the vehicle and got back on the same day. Wow. That's quite a trip. Would you say it was worth it? Definitely. Uh, we has saved getting around quite a bit of money by getting used items that were in very good shape and the the spindles that we purchased, there were way more than what we needed at the time, but we are planning on a expansion to our business. So we'll be able to use the remainders of the spindles in, in the future. But the auction, I think I won that for like maybe $250. And we probably, we, we probably picked up about $5,000 worth of material. So it was definitely wow. To, to go pick up that from out of state. Just the, the railing that I used, that probably would have cost us $1,500 in just in the materials. And like I said, I, I think I picked that one up for $250. Wow. What advice would you give to people who are new to government auctions? I've found my experience with Municipid that I don't bother waiting to the last minute to try to get the best price. I already know what the price is of the product that I bid on if I were to go out and buy it. So I don't bother putting in a bid, you know, and again, it's going to depend on what you're bidding on. If you're bidding on a high ticket item, you know, you're going to spend some money on it. If you're going to, if you're going to go out and buy it on, on your own. So I, when I do my bidding, I usually bid what I'm actually willing to pay for. That way I don't have to constantly look over my shoulder and keep updating the bid if it gets outbid. It's frustrating to get that email that says that you've been outbid. So you might as well just get it in there and let it ride its its wave. And the the only the only things that I've actually not won are things that I knew that I had to underbid because I had to travel to to and still make it worthwhile. And I wasn't that upset about it because I know that there's going to be more stuff coming through eventually, but the, the search is pretty awesome. You can find a lot of different unique items and super easy. I guess one thing that I also would want mind saying is that I like Municipid because you don't have to pay for your bids. I have seen and heard that there are other sites out there that you actually have to pay to bid on items. And all you need to do is make a, a login ID. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Rob. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. It's um, nice talking to your community. I really enjoyed it. Really appreciate it. You have a great afternoon. Mm -hmm. 
thank you for tuning in to the Municipid Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about the world of government surplus, be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. <laughs>